Hello and welcome to BB On The Record, this podcast from British Bandsmen. I'm Mark Good, editor of British Bandsmen, and in this episode I chat to multi-Emmy winning composer Bruce Broughton, composer of Heroes, the set test piece for the 2021 National Brass Band Championships of Great Britain. Bruce, who's 76, is a renowned composer in the world of film and television. You might have heard his work featuring in everything from Silverado to Tombstone, The Rescuers Down Under and Miracle on 34th Street, as well as episodes of Dallas, Quincy, Hawaii Five-O and How the West Was Won. Bruce discusses heroes and how the piece came into being. He also charts his musical roots and early experiences playing in Salvation Army bands. Bruce ponders how he might find the experience of listening to not one, not two, but 19 performances of his piece in one day, such as the way of brass band contesting, and discusses his admiration for some legendary brass players with whom he crossed paths. But first, Bruce reflects on the past 18 months from the perspective of a composer. The bizarre 18 months isn't so strange for a composer because you're basically sitting in a room all day anyway. So it's not been bad. I mean, it's it's not been bad. It's annoying. But I, I think the thing that has been the biggest problem has been travel, lack of travel. Well, we're rapidly approaching the championship section contest of the national finals, which returned to the Royal Albert Hall in London after a COVID-enforced absence in 2020. How are you feeling, Bruce, about finally getting to this moment where your piece is going to be featured and performed throughout the day? <laughs> well... I've never had so many performances one on top of another. Let's say it that way. It's uh, it, it looks to be kind of an, a long and very interesting day. I've actually been interested in the championship since I was a kid because when I was a boy, uh, my parents were Salvation Army people, so I grew up playing a variety of brass instruments in in you know Salvation Army bands, and so I've heard about the championships all my life. And to be to be a part of it is kind of a big deal. I mean, I'm sort of at the end of my life right now. I mean, at the later stages, and uh, to be able to finally get a piece of this is really great. So I'm I'm very very interested to, to see how it, the whole experience is going to be. You're so well known for your film and television scores. Silverado, Tombstone, The Rescuers Down Under, Miracle on 34th Street, Jag, Steven Spielberg's Tiny Toon Adventures, then countless episodes of series like Dallas and Quincy and Hawaii Five O, and you've won something like 10 Emmy Awards, Bruce. How on earth did you become entangled in this world of brass bands, at least this time round? Well, I got entangled, say, in the brass bands way before I got into the movies. I don't remember exactly what it was, but but uh, I think it was Nick Childs, probably as much as anybody. I had, uh, even as an adult, although not for several years, still written a bunch of stuff for, for bands, mostly for the Army. Nick asked me if I would write something for Black Dyke, which this was, which which Heroes became. And, um, of course, Black Dyke, I knew, I knew about the band for years, because I'd heard it for the years. And I knew its its former conductor, Jim Watson, yeah, because actually Jim and I used to work together on the movies because he was in my trumpet section, you know, because I knew him as a trumpet player. No, so I mean, I think that's I think that's really the way that it came about. Even in my even the last couple of years, I've written a couple of more pieces for the Salvation Army. How did you enjoy the process of working and engaging with Nicholas Childs and the Black Dyke Band? It's great. I mean, actually, it's very interesting because Nick is a real hands-on guy. Uh, we talked about the piece and he talked about the kind of piece that he wanted. And he was very specific, which was frankly very helpful. 
And um, after I finished the piece, actually the, the original piece was about four or five minutes longer. You know, I cut the piece down, I made a few changes and, and heard uh, a couple of performances of it. And it wasn't like a normal piece where you write the piece and you give it to the, the group and they play it and it comes back and that's the piece forever. This one, we worked on a little bit until we got it down the way that it uh, finally shows up in its final form. And I'm very happy with it. I'm, the, the writing of it went very easily. And uh, no, and the, the performances that I've heard, I've heard Black Dyke play it a couple of times. Um, you know, the piece sounds really fine. So uh, to tell you the truth, I'm actually very interested to hear the difference in 19 performances, uh, actually 20 because Bowden's uh, is playing it the night before. Um, so to, to hear like 20 performances of the same piece, I'm really interested to hear uh, the slight changes, you know, that one band makes over another. Um, my feeling about these pieces, about any piece of mine, other than other than a film piece, uh, is that once it leaves me, it should be played pretty much the way people want to play it. Uh, in a film piece, you can't do that because the film piece has to be written very, very carefully to fit, you know, the picture. But other than that, all the concert pieces. So if somebody takes it a little bit too fast or a little bit too slow or, or does this or that to it. I may or may not like it, but I would be interested to hear it because uh, I, I think that's sort of the fun in music, you know, the same piece being played by so many different people and being experienced by so many different people. The other thing I'm interested in is the, the fandom. Um, I explained uh, the, the British band setup isn't quite as familiar in the States as it is in places like the UK and Canada and all that. And so uh, when I try to explain this event, I said it's sort of like a sporting event, you know, in that the audience will actually get the scores and will sit there and, and be able to find out who their favorite band is and whose performance they thought was better and all that kind of stuff. It's very unique, you know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the entire process. It really is its own listening experience, this idea of turning up for the day and listening to the same piece being played one after the other. Of course, it's something that those in the brass band world are quite used to. It must be great when your work is chosen because you can hopefully sit back and enjoy. Um, yeah, or not. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, to, to be honest with you, it's probably a terrible thing to say, uh, particularly to an audience who's listening, but um, generally after I'm finished with a piece, I'm happy to hear it played once well. And then if I don't hear it for a while, that's fine with me. So part of the thing that I'm curious about is my reaction on hearing the same piece of mine played over and over and over and over again. But I, I think I'm gonna be very happily surprised because as I say, I, I really am interested to hear the way the different bands have played. Um, I know some of the bands a little bit. I know their styles a little bit. Uh, like I've, I've heard Corey, I've heard Foden's uh, and, and Black Dyke, of course, and a few of the other bands. So I'm. Yeah, I'm really curious to know how it's going to go. It's going to be quite an experience for me. You mentioned having roots and experiences in the Salvation Army world and your knowledge of listening to bands like Black Dyke and Corey and so on. How do you feel the styles differ from when you're working with, say, a, a symphonic brass section or a, a, a brass section on a movie score? Actually, to tell you the truth, over the last few years, over the last maybe 20 years, I've, well, 20 or 30 years, I've found that the brass playing in symphonies, uh, let me say it bluntly, uh, let's use trumpets as an example. I was never crazy about the symphonic trumpet sound. 
Um, there were some, in the States, there were some beautiful brass groups like the Philadelphia Orchestra, the Chicago Symphony and, and all these, you know, but trumpets for some reason never really got my, my interest. And then there was a guy in the Los Angeles Philharmonic 30 or 40 years ago, Tom Stevens, who had a beautiful, beautiful sound. He was principal trumpet for, for LA Phil. And it reminded me, frankly, of brass band playing because it was, it wasn't like, really like a cornet and it didn't have the vibrato and all that stuff, but it had the clarity and the beautiful sound rather than the straightforward trumpet sound that I was you know, more used to. That became, it seemed to me, more and more the style. I mean, the, um, the, the way the LA Phil brass section plays now is really beautiful. I mean, they've got some wonderful trumpet players. And then some of the Salvation Army guys actually got into the symphonies, like Phil Smith got over to uh, the New York Philharmonic. So Phil has a beautiful sound. And um, not to say that the guys in, in New York before that, there was anything wrong with them. It was just that, that kind of a sound. And I've noticed even in the uh, in the movies when I've come to to London to work that the brass it's kind of hard to say but the the, the brass sound has gotten bigger and warmer. Uh, I think some of the instruments are a little bit different, like the horns are a little bit different, but it's become much more like the sound that I grew up loving. So I would say whatever it is, uh, the brass. When I go to London and and work on a movie, well, I mean you, we have. Um, Phil Cobb, you know, playing in the LSO. I mean, I've worked with Phil. Uh, there's another Sally, you know, and um, and I know that Morris Murphy, uh, I think, began the Salvation Army, went through Black Dyke. So, and they say, you know, Jim Watson. Um, <laughs> I was walking by a trumpet section one time, I was working on Lost in Space or something. I don't know. And Jim was there, and Jim was talking to the guys, and he was talking about playing Tucker at, um, I think it was Region Hall or something like that. And I stopped and I said. You played Tucker, which is a Salvation Army solo, you know, Eric Lightson, which I had heard from since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? And I'm thinking, why why would you play Tucker? I mean, I didn't realize that the bands actually played the same literature going back and forth, you know. So it's this is sort of like old home week. I mean, I've never, you know, I've never had a championship piece before, but in terms of my beginnings and how I started and what I did, particularly in my younger life, and the music I associated with and what then became an outgrowth in the uh, in the movies and in the symphonic world. It's sort of like old home week. Now, as far as Heroes is concerned, the workpiece tributes to the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing and the incredible achievements of astronauts Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins. How did that theme or that inspiration or that spark come about? Was that your doing or was that in collaboration with others? There was no collaboration with Nick. You know, Nick is is very um, performance oriented, and it happened to be. I mean, frankly, I hadn't thought about it, but he but he had thought about it. It was uh, it was written the same year that, that the anniversary was, and it seemed to be you know a really great fit. I mean, the piece is it's not a movie piece, but it is dynamic and it is dramatic, and uh, it's very clearly um, in these three sections. Um, in the program notes, it becomes even more intimate in terms of how the how the themes are are um, used and, and what they represent. To me, frankly, the piece could be called "Music for Brass Band" because I mean it's a it's a piece of music, which if it doesn't work as a piece of music, it doesn't matter what you name it after. But it does, in fact, follow follow a um, program. It's it's a programmatic piece, so. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I say it, the the entire piece from beginning to end was a collaboration. It was really a black type piece. So you're coming over 
to London, Bruce, to hear the piece being performed at the Royal Albert Hall. Is it your intention to firstly stay in during the entire day to capture every performance and will you be grabbing that performance from uh, Foden's the night beforehand as well? Oh yeah, well sure, I, I go where the music is. I'll be at Foden's, um, uh, then we've got another concert, we've got a noontime concert the same day where they're playing all my music. The Fulham band. Fulham has a um, has a concert, has a noontime, a one, one o'clock concert at Regent Hall and they're, they're doing a whole concert of, uh, of my music which is actually kind of interesting because um, some of the music was originally brass band music and some of it, uh, a couple of pieces are transcriptions, including a transcription of a suite from the movie Tombstone. And I'm not sure I've heard this. So I'm kind of curious about that too. There's a cornet solo that was originally, the arrangement was originally, I, I did the arrangement from the original concert. It was originally written for the United States Air Force. And then Phil Smith, uh, wanted to play it with a band in Toronto and asked me if I would make a brass band arrangement, which I did, and they're going to play that arrangement. So there's a, a lot of different kinds of music in that in that hour uh, for anybody interested in that sort of stuff. If anyone needed another incentive, there you have it. Well, audiences are, are really looking forward, I know, to hearing Heroes being performed at the Royal Albert Hall very soon. Can we expect any other brass band works in the pipeline, though? You know, as it comes to uh, works on the on the pipeline, I really... I really don't know. I don't know why not. I just finished a, and I'm, I'm doing the final work on a horn concerto for a Houston Symphony. So that's a symphonic piece, but it's again, it's a brass piece. And um, I used to be a mediocre horn player, so it's kind of familiar. I'd be happy to write another brass band piece. I don't see why I wouldn't. But right now, you know, I couldn't tell you. So the past 18 months or so, Bruce, have been so strange for everyone. And the arts, of course, have been among the areas of society to really feel the pinch. How are you feeling about where the arts are and where you are in the world and where we go from here in the months ahead? Hopefully the world gradually opening up, of course. You mentioned travel early on. Are you feeling a little more optimistic? Look, it's a difficult problem because in this particular case, I think that for many of the arts organisations, if you just take the symphonic orchestras in the world, chamber orchestras, chamber, chamber ensembles, they all exist because of budgets. And to lay off an entire orchestra for a season, that's really hard. Um, that's very, very expensive. And I, I don't know about the UK, but in the United States, a lot of the symphonies were having financial problems anyway. So to, to get hit where you can't perform for a year, it's been very difficult. On the other hand, uh, people have been very creative. Like we're, we're doing our conversation through Zoom. I have seen many, and I'm sure you have too, seen many Zoom performances of pieces by orchestras. The San Francisco Symphony did a tribute to their outgoing conductor, Michael Tilson Thomas, by playing a, um, a movement of, I think it was the Mahler Ninth or something like that. And so you had these little boxes all over the TV of this person playing oboe and that player, person playing violin. And I know the guy, the recordist who had to, uh, to assemble the whole thing. You know, I know how much work it is, but I've seen that done with, with um, community bands, with orchestras. I've seen it done with um, singing groups, with Chinese, you know. So I think the music will continue to be played, but I think right now it's gonna take quite a time to get back to whatever we consider to be normal. I read about, like you do, I read about COVID, not only in the United States, but also in Britain. I read about it in Germany and the EU. And it's, you know, it's a problem. It's a problem. They have new variants coming out and we don't really know how long we're gonna be in this situation. I think everybody's tired of it. Everybody would like to get on with business, but 
but for the time being, uh, we're able to go back to concert halls and, and uh, hear some music and the orchestras are playing. Um, I know that for the motion picture um, orchestras that, that they haven't been playing as much, but they do do some recording and they've been doing it sort of in pieces. They'll record the strings one day and they'll record the, the winds on another day and the percussion on another day so that they can socially distance and sit apart from each other. I've seen um, videos of pieces of mine that were made for what they call flex instrumentation, where it's basically written for six parts and then it can be played by any number of people. Uh, there, there are brass versions of that as well. And I've, I've seen these videos from colleges where the kids are sitting like six, eight you know, feet away from each other. It's hard to play that way. Uh, it's, it's hard to get any feeling of ensemble, but they do it. And, you know, you know, basically the performance is there. So I really don't know. I think it's a time, frankly, when some things probably won't return and there will be a lot of innovation and we'll probably see things in a very new way. I don't expect music to go away. Gosh, I mean, you know, music is like the greatest thing in creation. So I think that people will be more innovative and find ways of, of being able to perform and, and create music. I, I mentioned this flex instrumentation. For me, I've done several pieces in the last uh, in the last year or so, maybe six or seven pieces for these flex groups, um, graded pieces, some for beginners, some for from moderately challenged, you know, groups to some that are, you know, pretty rough to play. It's very successful and it's been very successful for the publishers. So the bands stay creative. I wouldn't expect everybody to be that way. I know that it, I mentioned the horn, horn concerto for Houston. Houston is just going back into their system. Lives in a pretty rotten part of the world right now. We, they're, they're getting hurricanes and so they're flooding. And so they've, they've got, it's not just COVID. I mean, it's global warming and it's it's the economy and it's it's got all this stuff right now. This is, this is really a rough time to be doing anything, but they're still playing. And uh, I expect that piece to be premiered, you know, next year. And, and I say music will out. People need to hear music. People need to play music. People need to write music. It is wonderful that even in these challenging times, creativity continues to rise to the surface. And hopefully that does give us some cause for optimism as we look to the future. And just finally for now, Bruce, how are things shaping up for you over the coming weeks and months? I've never been very good for knowing what was going to happen in the next couple of months, I mean, whether it was a movie or a TV show or something like that. But I do know that, um, well, I have two commissions to finish before the end of the year. And in that, there's a, there's a lot of preparation for that. After that year, I have a couple of premieres that are happening, I know, in March, um, another one in May. So, no, I have a busy, I have a busy schedule. The movies, um, I, I don't do so much film work any longer. I'm mostly concerned about doing concert things. So... So things like this are really a lot of fun for me because I get to do whatever I want. I don't have anybody um, over my shoulder like in the movie saying, I want it like this and I don't like that part and take that part out or put this part, you know, I don't have any of that. I just get to do what I want. That's it for this episode of BB on the Record. Thanks to Bruce Broughton and thank you to you for listening. The National Brass Band Championships of Great Britain will welcome championship section bands to London's Royal Albert Hall on Saturday, October the 2nd. Good luck if you're involved there. Do get in touch about anything you might have heard on the podcast. You can email info at britishbandsmen.com. Remember, you can enjoy a digital subscription to British Bandsmen. It costs just £42.99 for one year. For the latest news and interviews, make sure you don't miss out. Go to BritishBandsman.com and click on subscribe. 
As for this podcast, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Or just ask your smart speaker to play the BB On The Record podcast. Please leave a review if you can, the more the merrier. Join me next time on BB On The Record. Bye for now.